went on the road against a top 10 team. And yeah, we looked bad and lost, but we also went to Jacksonville against a top 10 team and won. We're about to go on the road against a top 10 team again. So let's stop with the Georgia schedule narrative, especially if we're going to talk about LSU's great wins and still include Miami in that. Any longtime Georgia fan would probably remember the statistic of how Florida had been dominating the series versus the dogs since 1990. Well, my fellow podcast listeners, the trend has changed. And there's really not that many people I know who really even care about what happened in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party in the early to mid-90s. In fact, the 1997 game was really the only bright spot for over a decade. But just think of it this way now. Kirby Smart is 2-1 and one against the Gators. And if you want a stat to think on or to share with any of your friendly Florida fans who you might know, just let them know that the Dogs have now flipped the recent history and have beat the Gators in five out of the last eight years. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 158 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Georgia beats Florida for the second year in a row, and they do so by a score of 36-17. to 17. In this episode, Will Leach, Tony Waller, and myself share our thoughts on the 19-point Georgia victory down in Jacksonville. And before we get started, let me give you a heads up. This is our Sunday show, and it is recorded via Skype, so you will hear some less than stellar audio and some ferocious typing. I think it was from Will from time to time. Those mics will pick up anything, but it's a short and sweet episode today, and we'll be back with our big Georgia versus Kentucky preview show later this week. So without any further ado, here's Will to get things started. 36 to 17, gentlemen. I feel like uh, I'm hoping this game turns out to be a microcosm of the whole season, which is the first half to slightly more than the first half. I totally freaked out and thought everything was falling apart, and then it all came together at just the right time. Do you guys think this was a turning point for Georgia? Do you think Florida was worse than we thought? Do you guys think that uh, that this team is in a good spot moving forward? And perhaps most important, what should I do if my Fromm boner lasts longer than four hours? <laughs> they should tell everyone. Um, <laughs> so that's an interesting question. I spent some time thinking about that very thing, which is the microcosm. When we did the preview, I, I kept coming back that it's going to feel a lot like we're going to get back to basics and just be kind of the team we were last year which was uh, a lot more run, uh, keeping the passing simple. And turned out that was exactly kind of, if you think about how the game played out, that's exactly what happened. I think the one thing that was the, the, the different twist here is that we, we, I felt like as the game went on, the, even, even as we went with those three three and outs there in the second quarter, they three plays, 20 yards fumble, and then they come on like 40 yards on that interception, and then they drove down for a touchdown. Then we held them to, I don't know, a couple, a couple of drives in, in the half, and he, and then they came out and got that quick strike touchdown. I thought, oh man, they've messed up. After that touchdown, I thought, we've shut them down. They've done their thing. I mean, is this the same team we've seen all season? Yeah, uh, still, still not as physical up front as we want. Um, as we think, as we thought we would be, and too reliant on hoping somebody will step up and make a play, which we were fortunate to have that happen uh, a couple of times with turnovers. But, you know, hey, we, we beat Florida, and we get to go to Lexington this weekend with opportunity to go ahead and clinch the SEC East, and that's, that's never a terrible thing. 
Tony, I'm surprised you're not more excited. We beat Florida for the second year in a row. We're yeah, five no, of eight. I, I, or, we've won five out of the last eight years. Part of it's a part. Um, I know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, and also I was trying I to... I'm ecstatic. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's... I was trying to be reflective of Will's question. I am ecstatic because, like I said, anytime you beat Florida, that's a mm-hmm. win. That's a great win for the program. Um, and it was fun last night to see some of the comments on Twitter. Um, Florida fans frankly, sound like that we did in the 90s and early 2000s with the, well, we're still the better team, wait till coaching catches up, all blah, 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 blah. Um, that's a fun place to be. Yeah, I thought the play of the game was definitely the third and nine, the third, third and Grantham of the game, but it was with uh, Godwin's catch. You know, Fromm just laid the perfect pass. You know, he got plenty of time. The, the O-line did a great job. And, you know, uh, kudos to Sam Pittman. Because we had quite a few guys. Uh, Thomas went out. Uh, I think it was Baker went down for a while. And so they were playing musical chairs on the offensive line. And, and Fromm got a decent amount of time, especially on third down passing situations. But that pass to Godwin, um, that was just a good feeling because, you know, you're you're up by, uh, what, six at that point, And it's that dreaded six-point uh, lead that no college football fan really feels comfortable with. You'd almost rather have a three-point lead for some reason. I don't know why I feel that way, but that, that's kind of how it feels to me. But yeah, I mean, that was kind of the, you know, you release your holding of the breath part right there when you see Godwin goes in. I would have liked to have just seen him kick the extra point there instead of chasing points, but I mean, I get it. They wanted to go up by uh, 14, but uh, I think selfishly, I wanted the final score to be 37-17 like it was in 1997. So, <laughs> you, you know, I think there's a point to be made that, you know, a lot a lot of your Bill Connolly advanced stat people will say that third down conversion there's obviously skill to it it's easier to get but there's also there's a certain randomness to it like it's not like like uh, uh like good players good teams do better on third down than bad teams but there's still like a certain amount of luck uh on third down that is the difference really between the two games right like if if, if you convert on third mm-hmm. down against lsu the way you converted against florida you i don't know if you win that game but it's certainly a very different complexion it really was Third down, and so much of that was from, you know, this was uh, as bad as he was against LSU. He was just terrific, you know, and, and it, it's funny because we kind of talked about how it wasn't, it's not like Fromm forgot how to play football, but it, some of that swagger seemed to be gone a little bit. And some of that, you know, he's still good. He's still competent quarterback. His numbers have still been pretty solid all year, but there just didn't seem to be that, that excitement that uh, this guy's got this, the way that, that everyone uh, halfway through last season was like, uh, all the pl- even his teammates were like, oh yeah, yeah, Eason's not taking back control of this team. This is Fromm's team, and you hadn't seen a lot. You still had people supporting him, but they didn't have that like, oh, this is our dude. That was definitely our dude yesterday you know, on the preview podcast. I we talked about how kind of frustra- frustrated we were with the fields from back and forth, back and forth. And I think I said, listen, I don't care what you do, but just do something. Like don't like just make a plan, even if it means Fields not getting a single snap. Well, turned out Fields did not get a single snap, and Fromm had the best game had the best game of the year, and I think pretty inarguably uh, he's the guy that won this game for them. Because you, know, you look at the score now, hey, they won by nineteen, they're up by quite a bit, but it didn't really feel that way for a long time, particularly halfway through the third quarter. It was really starting to feel a little hairy, and frankly, it was starting to feel a little hairy even when they were still already up by six because there were seven straight stops at the goal line. So uh, for me, I think that the difference in this game, the reason we're feeling like, okay, here we go, we're in a good spot, as opposed to, oh my gosh, it's Florida and all the worries we talked about in the preview podcast. It was really Fromm. Like Fromm was the guy that made so much of that happen. Yeah, well, you know, the one way that um, Bo Conley's stats captures 
third down conversions is staying in front of the change, the efficiency side of it. I, don't, I, can't, I can't exactly quote them, but, you know, basically the idea is you get half your yardage needed uh, uh, on the first down, um, 70% on second down, and 80% on third down. So basically you're facing third and two or inside that. George did that a bunch. We were in there. We were doing that a bunch. And frankly, even on the third and nine to play this guy referenced a minute ago, they were convinced we were going to run the football there. I mean, they had man coverage across the line, and Todd Grantham brought an emotional blitz, and we picked it up. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, you're right about Fromm. He looked like a different quarterback. He was, um, he was poised. He, did, he never got rattled. There were a couple times early in the game where, where he, he rolled out, and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And he got rid of the ball, or he found a receiver, or, he, you know, frankly, he threw dimes to Holman. So, you know, that's, I, I will say, though, since you brought up the, the six plays inside the three-yard line, um, I was very happy to hear Kirby's comments about that. And I don't know if you've heard or read them, but basically said, that's on, it's on me, that's on the coaches. We have to put our guys in a better position to see that. We've got to look at that series, and I have to do a better job of giving them plays that will allow us to get an end zone there. And I loved hearing that because, you know, you and I were, uh, the three of us were texting back and forth during that series, and I was like, oh, what are we doing here? Um, so, yeah, you know, you, you beat Florida. It's always fun, but you're right. The, the key difference here was was from and and frankly, the line play was better, um, particularly the later we went in the game. You know, the great thing about that six play zero yard drive is it took four minutes off the clock, and that's in the third quarter. And then you go up by two scores, even with the field goal. You don't feel as good as you would have, but you still go up by uh, by two scores. Um, it almost feels like the short yardage situations, whether at the goal line. Or just in the middle of the field, you know, they, they, they kind of everybody, not everybody, but I saw some people referencing on Twitter um, after the sweep by Hardman um, referencing putting Isaiah McKenzie back there. What back in 2016 versus Vanderbilt, something like that. It, I don't know. To me, it's almost like a, a golfer that can't make a two foot putt. You know, they kind of got the yips or, or something and they start changing things up and they're putting cross handed. They buy a vest off an infomercial or something like that. Um, <laughs> You know, it just, it just, uh, I think it's something that they can overcome. It, it's not something that concerns me going forward. I think that they'll, they'll definitely address that and, and see kind of what happens. But think about this. The one thing that really stood out to me, um, Rodrigo's three field goals, they were 22 yards, 21 yards, and 18 yards. How often do you see a kicker make three field goals roughly 20 yards or more? You know what that tells you? It says that the Georgia could have scored 50 points on Florida had all of the cylinders been clicking, if not just like four out of five cylinders. So I'm, I'm curious about that too, because that's the thing, right? Is it's easy now. Like now we're all like feeling good. They, they beat Florida. That was, that was awesome. And Florida looked, uh, and Florida did not look uh, like, like if I'm Florida, I spent most of that game being like, wow, this is awesome that we're this close because we're nearly not playing that well. We're not as talented as these guys and they're making some mistakes. But there was a stretch there where I think there were three straight possessions after the first touchdown uh, where Georgia was stopped three and out heading into that last possession before the second half. There's just a lot of little moments. And I don't know whether I, I, I feel entirely positive about them or slightly negative about them. There were a lot of little moments before Georgia took control of the game where this could have gotten away from them a little bit. It's good that they adjusted and it's good that they came back. This still, put it this way, 
we all remember that last Florida game last year. We're like, wow, why is Florida even on the field with Georgia? Florida felt like on the field and ish to, with Georgia in this game. Not better, clearly, as we kind of saw it went out. But again, this is a game where your quarterback saved you. And there were other things that, that, that did well and other, other things that worked. And I think the defense particularly stepped up. To be fair, if Florida has a better quarterback, this is also a different game. Like Frank's made that one great pass. It's almost as if like he he made ten terrible passes as a way to save up for that one perfect pass that he threw in the touchdown. But generally speaking, this isn't a great quarterback. This is not a great offense, and they were able to kind of take take charge. That for me, this is an example of a. I'm glad Georgia kind of pulled it back together. B. Florida does not strike me as number nine team in the country. That doesn't seem like a top ten team to me. Kentucky looks like we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, they look like they're going to be a top ten team uh, coming the next week. I don't think they are that either. I do think that these games are good and that they are working you closer and they are kind of more definitively showing, though we'll find out this week, that Georgia is the best team in the SEC East. It still feels like while this is obviously better than LSU, there's still a lot of stuff that needs to get fixed. Yeah, I think, frankly, that's just where we are. I mean, we've gotten, uh, what, we're nine games into the season now, right? And so we're, we've gotten to the point where that is, or, you know, we are who we are. We are a we are a team with some flaws. Um, we are a team that uh, is not as uh, physical as is one the coaches absolutely want us to be. But um, also, we're not as physical probably as we need to be to achieve some of the more ambitious goals we we have. But we still are a very talented team. Um, and the thing I will say that I, that that made me the the happiest is we looked well coached again. <laughs> Uh, because we, uh, despite the, the, you know, the one series, that one series, even the three and outs, I, those looked like, you know, they were just well-defended plays, a well-defended series, uh, the one series inside the, the one-yard line or three-yard line or whatever it was, that was the only time it looked like we were a little lost coaching-wise. Um, for example, we got, we had that one blitz off and it resulted in the first Rodrigo field goal. On um, you know, that blitz came around the middle, no one picked it up. That didn't really happen again the rest of the game. Uh, we adjusted to that, despite Todd Grantham's trying. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think we are – I think we're still a flawed team, but I also think the team we see in front of us is the team we're going to have the rest of the year, and that's, there's not much more we can adjust coaching-wise or even uh, schematically or, or personnel-wise to change that. Yeah, I think uh, Kirby and the coaching staff was were in Dan Mullen's head, uh, even Todd Grantham, because they were unhinged on the sideline. Even after uh, that sack you just referenced by Florida early in the first quarter, the camera went on Grantham, and he's just losing his mind. I mean, he's excited, I know, but losing his mind. Then Dan Mullen gets a penalty call on him uh, when we were close to the goal line. Um, they had a player that kind of mouthed off to the ref because of his uniform uh, discrepancies. And he got a five-yard penalty, which gave us a first down, um, even though we only got a field goal out of that. I mean, that was huge. You never see that called. Um, so I, I give a lot of credit for uh, the mind game thing. And also think about, I mean, you know you know, it's bothering Dan Mullen because what was the first offensive play? It was the Degum Fleet Flicker. He's been harboring those <laughs> feelings for a year when he was coaching. He and Grantham were coaching for Mississippi State. So um, I, the the one thing I really like seeing on defense, and it, and it paid off in, in, in spades in this game, if you look, even if they just make a regular tackle, they are stripping that ball. I mean, it is just second nature to try to reach in there and strip it when they got a guy wrapped up, and it happened a couple times this game. Um, so I, I couldn't be more impressed. I couldn't be more happy because I can't tell you how many times I went down to Jacksonville. I didn't go this <laughs> week. 
But I mean, just literally you go down there, you get all fired up, you spend all kinds of money and time. I saw one victory out of like 12 trips. That's why I quit going. Um, so maybe I need to go back. Maybe I need to stay far away, but, uh, this is, this is great. This is, you know, I mean, we're, we're seven and one and I could not be happier with the situation because it's all in front of us right now. And it is very, not only all in front of us, but directly immediately in front of us because of that crazy, crazy Kentucky, Missouri game, the way that game ended. I mean, as someone that as a Midwestern that loves to make fun of Missouri, uh, that was not unsatisfying way for that to go down. But uh, it, it definitely made you think two things that we, I think we, all, we already kind of thought about Kentucky coming into this year. Uh, a, they're a little bit better than you think they are, but they're still not great. And B, man, they just kind of got that vibe of like, they feel like this is their year, right? I, mean, I, I, I don't know if, uh, I, I think Tony, you've, we'll talk about this in the preview show, but Tony, you've talked in the past of being in Kentucky and what the fan base is, is like there. Having a 3.30 CBS game, well, I'm basically next weekend is now a semifinal. It's like a semifinal match for the SEC championship game, right? Like basically back yeah, to back. That's a, game. Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly what it's going to be. Uh, it, it is, is on one hand, it is good to see Georgia take a step forward after LSU. And I'm not sure Kentucky is any more talented than Florida is, even if they did win that game. But uh, you, you got a quick turnaround to a very emotional crowd and a very emotional situation for a team that suddenly Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky Kentucky is staring at a win this game and you go to the SEC championship game. Uh, that is, even if it is just Kentucky, is going to be quite an environment to go into. Yeah, and there is a possibility that Georgia will play a second straight top, top 10 team, not at home, um, which, you know. The it'd be a third straight. Yeah. Oh, sorry, third, yeah. third straight. Right. Third straight. So, yeah, it's funny. I, I heard um, on, on the flight back from D.C. this morning, I was watching some TV, and one of the ESPN talking heads was like, well, Georgia needed that win. Their, their, their schedule, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait, wait a minute. We, we, we went on the road against a top-10 team, and, yeah, we looked bad and, and lost, but we also went to Jacksonville against a top-10 team and won. We're about to go on the road against a top-10 team again. So let's we'll stop with the Georgia, the Georgia schedule narrative, especially if we're going to talk about LSU's Great wins and still include Miami in that. So let's let's just let's just roll that down. Um, but it is, I mean, the, like I said, we will talk about that a lot this week in our, our preview podcast. But this is probably I got to text our, our friend Paul Plus is coming with us to um, with us with us to he's made this in Lexington and he sent me a text. He's like, this is the biggest game in Kentucky football history. Right? I said, well, certainly in the last seventy years. Um, so this is it's incredible. It's uh. I've gone up there a lot of times where this was an easy breezy, low key game. I've gone up there a couple of times where the pucker factor was off the charts, including the Rodrigo Blankenship coming out game where he kicked the game winner. Um, but this is the first time I've been up there where it matters to more than it matters to more than just Georgia. Well, that will be interesting. We have plenty to talk about. But yes, you're right, Scott. Let us not forget the real takeaway over this. Which is they they just wiped out Florida for the second straight year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. <laughs> um, all right, well, we'll be back. We'll, we're going to do our preview show uh, tomorrow. Feels like a pretty big one. It feels I, it's funny. It's weird to think that in the next two weeks, like Auburn is the other game. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind of a wild yeah. idea, but that is where they stand right now. All right, so we'll be back with our preview podcast. Uh, probably, uh, probably, I'm sure, Scott, you'll put it together immediately after we tape it, right? Because people are clamoring. You'll, you'll just sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> sure. I don't have anything else going on. Nothing so else. Sure. What else is else? <laughs> um, all right, everyone, but uh, we'll be back with a preview show uh, tomorrow. But otherwise, go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. The Dogs are 7-1 and one and have an SEC East Championship game this coming Saturday up in Lexington. Can you believe that? It's a de facto SEC East Championship game. It'll be on CBS again, our favorite station. We'll be all over it personally on our preview podcast. So in the meantime, please consider subscribing to our show so you don't miss any updates. If you have a question, you could also send that to us via Twitter. Our handle is at WSLS Podcast. And if you can get it to us by Monday afternoon... We'll try to talk about it or answer your question on our show. Hope everyone had fun in Jacksonville over the weekend. I mean, how could you not have had fun? I know we had fun up here in Athens. Thanks to all. Well, Tony was in D.C., but Will and I were in Athens, and we had fun. Tony had fun in D.C. I don't know if you could check his Twitter timeline, but he had a lot of fun. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself or behind myself. we got to end this podcast. But if uh, you want to send us any pics, I already mentioned that. This is going downhill fast. We appreciate y'all's interaction and interest to our podcast how does that sound we'll just end it with that so that's it we'll see you on campus in a few weeks and as always go dogs